Before we begin today's episode, we would like to thank our sponsor, Swanshaw, the UK's finest purveyor of kitchens and shopfronts alike. Please consider visiting Swanshaw on Instagram. You can find them under at Swanshaw. Now to today's episode. Hello and welcome back to The Therapy Files. I am, of course, here with my dear colleague and comrade, Callum. And fellow disability activist, of course. Indeed. Just putting out there, guys. How are you? Are you I okay? I am absolutely fine. I'm very looking forward to getting on with this one, one your interview, but also, I guess, even more important why we're, well, when we've looked at the perspectives of, on disability and you've given your own perspective, but I suppose now it's about looking at, well, the obvious discrimination that takes place within society, uh, intentionally and unintentionally, mm. but that a lot of we have to be aware of that a lot of a lot of discrimination does take place without the person's knowledge as well doesn't it Craig? it's not always the direct forms of discrimination that we think mm-hmm. absolutely and i think we're going to focus primarily in this episode on the distinctions between ableism and disabilism yeah. because they are both different mm-hmm. believe it or not okay. they are kind of focused on the idea of discrimination mm-hmm. but they do refer to slightly different areas mm-hmm. so I want to sort of bring up what ableism is to start with. Please, yeah. And I'm going to read a quote out here by Fiona Kumari Campbell, who wrote a book called The Contours of Ableism, which I hear is a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. I have not yet managed to purchase a copy or read a copy. I've just managed to steal a quote from it because it is very expensive. <laughs> but anyway, so according to Kumari Campbell, ableism is a network of beliefs, processes and practices that produce a particular kind of self and body, the corporeal standard that is projected as the perfect species typical and therefore essentially and fully human disability then is cast and dis- and diminished as a state of being human so the idea that there's a diminishment of human life i suppose right. she challenges that mm-hmm. she challenges it but she brings up a really valid point that ableism is the idea that the able body is the most perfect body mm-hmm. that it is the most capable mm-hmm. body and i can see where she's coming from and i know why she's pointing this out however one might argue that ableism as a concept is very restrictive. Society has lots of ableism around it. So one or two examples of ableism I can think of is for example a building mm-hmm. not having any access for a wheelchair yeah. user legally by law under the Equality Act 2010 every building now has to have a yeah. ramp or some kind of wheelchair access or a hearing loop mm-hmm. etc but really having steps instead of ramps to access a shop example and I'm thinking about our undergraduate city Chester yes, yeah. Yeah, sure. I love Chester absolutely adore Chester but with it being a historical city yeah I find that there's loads of steps down into the it's like Roman architecture areas it? and things. And it's it's really, it is disabling mm, in a way. Absolutely. But I can remember once going into Burton's, for example, in Chester, mm-hmm. 
I went there with my friend Chantal. If she's listening to this, hello. It's nice to see you again. But anyway, we went shopping and she said, where's the lift? And the shop assistant said, sorry, there is no lift. And she said, that's not right. There should be a, a lift. But the shop assistant, to her credit, was actually really supportive and really helpful in that she offered to go upstairs and bring down a selection of clothing for me. The problem with that is that I couldn't actually browse like anybody of else. Of course, yeah, yeah. And that I find that really problematic mm. in that the only way you're getting up there for a normal browsing experience is by walking up those stairs. Yes. And that is a problem. Mm. But of course, there's always the idea of people making assumptions about what a disabled person can and cannot do. And that is perhaps the most inherent form of disabledism, mm. assuming that there is a something that a person with a disability cannot engage yes. with. Actually, a lot of people with disabilities are incredibly bright and intelligent people. And I independent, mean, which is the other side of it, mm-hmm. isn't it? Is that very independent as well, which is, I think, is the other kind of discrimination of where it's almost like people have to do things for them. Mm-hmm. Which in actuality, people live productive, long, self-sustaining lives with disabilities. They do. That is very true. Albeit with some kind of support yeah, and of help course, from social course. care. But that's, that's all good. And I would say that another example is not making reasonable adjustments of work. I mean, I have personally not come across any issues with making adjustments at work. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, one example of where adjustments were made at work for me in my last job was the back office Mm -hmm. was not very wheelchair accessible, i.e. I couldn't get to the sink, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get to the kettle in the back office, Um, and tables were just in the way, and I had to go through an interview room in order to get through to the kitchen at the back, Mm -hmm. and had to go out through a door into another area in order to get back out again. So I kind of did my miss Mr. Ben impression. <laughs> Love Mr. Ben there. Is it by magic? But they made alterations. Sure. They redesigned the area. I suppose obviously we talk about the ableism, which obviously it sounds like a lot of what a lot of ableism is based on Craig is assumption by, by what I'm getting here. Yeah. Have you ever yourself, and I apologise if you don't want to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever come across direct disableism? Which I assume is more well they're both discriminatory, but I suppose I guess would disableism be more kind of a direct attack? <laughs> just just to get a definition there, just for somebody who's able for looking at a definition of disableism, according to Goodley, mm-hmm. 2014, Dan Goodley, he says that disabledism is the social and political and cultural and psycho-emotional exclusion of people with disability, sensory and or cognitive impairments. And ableism is understood to be the contemporary ideals with which the able and autonomous productive citizen is modelled. And therefore we can see that disabledism is conceived then as a form and practice of experience which exclude and eradicate bodies completely and neutralise the individual and completely ignore community practices around inclusion of disability and this is more or less a failure of the capitalist system to fit around the inclusion of other bodies really Mm -hmm. and therefore it's impossible to theorise disabledism without also interrogating ableism which breeds paranoia, confusion and fear and inadequacy Um, and that was from Goodley 2014. Thank you Dan if you're listening to this. Hello. I've met you on many times and you're wonderful and I just think the two are so interconnected yeah. you know the idea that you know one cannot live in a world without disabledism and ableism sure. we cannot separate they might be different terms the, the difference is really disabledism emphasises discrimination against disabled people but ableism emphasises discrimination in favour 
of non-disabled sure. people. Sure. So basically, you asked me if I'd experienced any form of disabledism. Absolutely. I know we spoke about you know you obviously experienced ableism. Mm. I was wondering, I guess, well, they're both nefarious and they're both horrid. But I, I suppose it, it feels almost like they're both personal. But it feels like disabledism is an extremely personal attack. Yeah. And it feels more kind of a lack of tolerance. Mm. Well, we spoke about that example where I had been literally put in a corner in my old high school. Uh, yes, that was in the bullying episode, wasn't it? it was. The boundaries episode. Well. It was one example I can think of disabledism. Also, I can think about a time where I was on a train to Manchester, coming home from Lancaster, and one person actually said to me, "Well, what disease got you then?" Wow. And I'm just like, "No disease got me. Please go away. Uh, please do not attempt to talk to me. Do not attempt to touch me." And we were waiting in the in the line for the loo. Obviously, oh well, I wasn't actually waiting for the loo. I was positioned strategically in the disabled space right, right. on the train, which. Ironically, it's next to the loo. So, what does that say? Make that what you will. <laughs> yes. And then she went to the loo and she came back out and she tried to hook me and apologise for her behaviour. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not acceptable. Remove your hands immediately. Did she? She did, thankfully. And yet, there was also another time, again, while I was on the train, where... Was it with trains? I don't know. I did a lot of travelling in my youth, Callum. No, I'm not blaming you. I mean, you were what, you're more than tired to go on these trains. I'm just being it seems to be the... The, the, the ultimate prejudices seem to exist on these transportation systems, don't they? I know, I know. So, I was on this train from Chester to Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, going to visit my nan, believe it or not, and randomly, some person, woman, decides to come up to me and randomly give me a hug and say, Oh, you're so sweet. And I'm like, thanks. But why did you randomly like your arms around me without giving permission? Very invasive, isn't it? And she was like, oh, well, you just look lonely and sad, so I thought I'd give you a hug. It's I disgusting. mean, I'm like, on the one hand that's really full and kind of you to notice how I'm looking but also on the other hand no you're wrong I was listening to an audiobook and I'm sorry if my face looks vacant and expressionless and therefore I appear sad but you know I guess these able-bodied people feel that they can put their hands on disabled people and enter their spaces in ways that are clearly acceptable to the able-bodied person sure, sure. but not to the disabled person and so I really have I have experienced a lot of interactions with people around what they thought was an inclusive action i.e. talking to me mm. and making conversation and engaging with me however the way in which they acted and they behaved was quite exclusionary in the sense of what dis- oh you look so sad you look so down it's like what's pitiful existence yeah. isn't it so the idea of pity and uh, disease and you know disablement is is seen as something to be sad about and yes there are experiences where people can feel sad sure. about their disablement or their disability or their impairment but that doesn't give anybody the right to kind of be a prick Callum you put it so well <laughs> sorry not very PG guys but I think just on that as well because that leads almost into the next thing because I was going to ask you about how your disability impacted you both negatively and positively but what I will put out there as well is there's also the other side of it isn't it I know Charlotte has discussed this quite heavily is the idea also that people feel like they can't touch people with disabilities as well. Yes. Um, Obviously, of course, content's about, we need content, of course we do, but it's almost like people don't want to always approach, mm, just putting that out there. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably a little different from my own experience. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's, again, the idea of the medical model mm-hmm. that there's a problem mm-hmm. with the disabled person mm-hmm. or a problem with the person with disabilities. Sure. Um, and... We must keep away, isn't it? Yeah, we must not contaminate ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that is problematic. Mm-hmm. 
and it only seeks to widen the distance between the able-bodied and the disabled. Sure. And that is so problematic. And the gap's already pretty huge, isn't it? Let's let's be honest. You know, yeah. in terms of privilege as well. You know, we talk. We don't. Not even just from a absolutely from, from a from a societal model, but also in terms of a privilege model. You know, you always talked about it yourself. You know, I remember, I remember one of your stories telling me. I'm sure you won't mind me sharing. This was you know with, with the ramps on the train that time when you ended up in a different location. I was going to bring that up actually. Mm. That's an interesting point. Um, thank you for reminding. More me. train issues, by the way, guys. God bless the uh, God bless our train links in the UK. Virgin trains. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Screw you, Richard Branson. <laughs> I was um, once on a train, yet again, going from Chester to Crewe mm-hmm. on my way home. From it's a connector one. Is that the one that goes back to... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, connection uh, to Crewe. After seeing my friend in Chester for a day, um, I'd gone for a lovely day in Chester, visiting a friend who I hadn't seen for ages. We'd gone for lunch mm-hmm. at the Slug and Lettuce. Lovely day. And then I get to Crewe after the assurance of Chester saying, of course, we'll get somebody to get the ramp down for you. And I get to the door. I wait. I wait. And by that point, the train had already gathered a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. And we'd just left the station. Bye. So, yeah, I was having problems ascertaining where this ramp was. Mm-hmm. And we uh, were... The door was about to close. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, where's the next stop? Mm-hmm. It's where it was. Milton Yes. <laughs> no, I've heard this story before, guys, if you wonder. I'm not, I'm not that clever. I love... I love Milton Keynes. I have never been. Very, very fond memories of going to Milton Keynes. I'm assuming this wasn't the time that you wanted to go to Milton Keynes. It wasn't a time, no. no. (laughs) I ended up all the way going to Milton Keynes. And, yeah, it was kind of crap. Did Um, you you complain? I, thankfully, and I went back into where where I was sitting while we were travelling forwards. And, thankfully, an individual who had sat behind me uh, actually said I saw that you had an issue with the door mm. um, and do you need a, do you need any support and I was like thank you it's really kind of you mm. I said if you could see where the conductor is uh, I'd like to speak to him immediately mm. I made a complaint obviously mm. this woman brought me back a cup of tea mm-hmm. on the way which was so kind of her yeah the least that could have happened though, genuinely it? kind of her because she didn't know me from Adam but she brought me back a cup of tea and I if she's listening to this thank you for that cup of tea because it was a touch of comfort in a moment of distress of course um, I mean, it's not that it's not just for yourself but it's also a massive thing for your dad as well isn't it yeah, yeah it's all those things um, so the conductor finally comes along two minutes later and he says I believe there's been a problem and I said yes there has um, I, I'm currently on a train to Milkins. I was supposed to get off at Crew. Why were there no ramps there? Yeah. He said, I had no idea that you were actually on my train. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm sorry, what? I said, I thought Chester would have let you know. And he was like, no, they didn't let you know. They didn't let me know. There was a fault there. There was a problem. And basically, he got me off at Milkins and put me on a train back to Stockport. Mm-hmm. First class, Good. and he said that if I wanted to make a further complaint, he would be more, more obliging, most obliging, and it would be taken up by the company. They further offered me a round trip to London. Wow. First class, both ways. Did you take it? I did. Good for you. So thank you, Virgin, for that. Well, I'll give them credit for the compensation. That was it, a... it shouldn't have happened in the first place, though, should it? And it wouldn't, it, this wouldn't happen if mm. it wasn't this inherent ableism in society. No. 
Um, but I suppose, obviously, without moving on too swiftly. Yeah, that was a bit longer. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. You know, it's, it's very relevant. It's very important to flag this stuff up. But to be fair to them, you know, I'll give them the credit. They responded very professionally. They at least didn't try and hide anything, which is, mm. I suppose, somewhat of a thingy. But yeah. it'd mm. help if it never happened in the first place, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but I suppose, as we touched on before, in your in your opinion, Craig, how has your disability impacted you, both negatively and positively, in your life? And I know that's quite a broad question, but I was wondering if you could maybe give some examples, because I think people automatically assume that it's all negative, don't they? Which I'm sure some of it is. But is, is there positive? That's an interesting question. Let me think about that for a moment. Yes, there is one positive. Mm-hmm. The, the impact that I can have on young children um, who also able-bodied and also disabled. Sure. Um, my little cousins, Corey and Zach, um, second cousins mm-hmm. actually, because they're my cousin's children, yeah. um, been raised to understand disability. Uh, and my own cousins, as they grew up, they were raised to understand disability sure. and to understand that Craig couldn't necessarily walk, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't include him. Mm-hmm. And that was mostly down to my family being wonderful and really engaging with... It's really, it's a really good thing. I suppose, I suppose I guess what you're saying as well is that you've been very lucky because there are many families that aren't very inclusive. But also I would say the other positive of having a disability is that I look at things from a different perspective mm-hmm. rather from that able-bodied perspective. Sure. I, I look at things in the world in a different concept. In, yeah. in, I look at the world in a different way mm-hmm. and um, I'm having to see it a different way because yeah. I have no choice but Absolutely, to. you're forced to, aren't you? Yeah, which I do believe or I feel that particularly when I'm talking with other people, it makes me more empathic to be able to understand their frames of reference. Because, and accepting, I'd say, as well. Yeah, because I'm having to look at my own frame of reference as different to somebody else's. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that practice of having to be look at things differently and look at the world differently, it enables me to be empathic. It enables me to be accepting and responding towards other people that may have problems themselves. That makes sense. That makes, sense. Makes, no, it makes complete sense. And obviously, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to... Have problems editing this, aren't No, it's... <laughs> Uh, I suppose I suppose as well, obviously we do have to look at the other side of the coin and I suppose some of this will be the obvious, but I still would like you to, to say for people to understand as well. Um, what are the negative sides, would you say? Is, is there negative sides, um, in your opinion? Well, I think we touched on it, really, mm-hmm. in the last episode. Mm-hmm. The idea that people assume that because one has a disability, they can't do something. Sure. Be that have a relationship or a, do a certain job. Sure. Or, you know, even, dare I say it, adopt children. Mm-hmm. Or have children. Yeah. Just put that out there as well. Yeah. There is a lot of stigma out there around what a disability can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody is different with their disabilities and their conditions and their lives mm-hmm. even. But there is so much negativity around disability and the media. And I think the media has got a lot to answer of course, for. Of because really what we're not seeing, we're not seeing positive representations of disability. We're not seeing teachers in the classroom mm-hmm. with physical disabilities. I will say I'm clearly here. I, I know that there is a distinction between visible disabilities and invisible of course, disabilities. Of course, of course. And I can only come at it from my concept of having a physical disability but i also do have you do actually you've got anxiety and depression as well which yeah. is also a disability i also have a visual impairment and visual impairment yes 
But that, um, that, does that tie in with your cerebral palsy, or is that something entirely separate of your mind? Um, do you know what? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I either either although it's still very relevant. Generally don't know. But we don't see teachers in wheelchairs no. very often. We don't see counsellors no, in wheelchairs we don't. very often. We don't see actors in wheelchairs very often. However, that is becoming more prevalent. Sure. There is a wonderful actress called Ruth Maidley. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic, hugely funny, and does a lot of comedy and stuff. Uh, but she also does really heartfelt dramas. She once did a drama called Don't Take My Baby Yeah. in 2012, was it? Yes. And I found that really, really touched me. RJ Mitt's a famous actor as well, isn't he, with cerebral palsy from Breaking Bad? Is he? I, I have not. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know that, though? I haven't seen it. Well, RJ Mitt, check him out. He's a very good actor. He also has cerebral palsy. And yet, with the emergence of people with physical disabilities yeah. as actors, it is becoming more prevalent that people with disabilities can't do things the general society thought that they could not. Sure. And I, mean, so I suppose the uh, something else that brings around is that documentary. Something there was the I can never remember her name, but she was the CBBS presenter that had the the arm. Yes. Um, the amount of hatred that she got. I don't know if you remember the complaints. Um, you can probably give more context to it than I can, but I can't remember her name. But she was she born with a birth defect, or was it something from an accident? I can't remember. Neither can I. It, it, it was irrelevant. Irrelevant. It's, irrelevant. It's, it's irrelevant anyway. But essentially. Do you remember her name, Craig? Or am I? I don't. You don't. Anyway, was, I know who you're talking about. CBB's presenter. She had um, a disability with her. I believe she had her hand missing. Like, oh, it was to the elbow. I can't, I can't remember yes. the top of my head. Um, but there was flooded with complaints about how this would scare children, how it was an abomination, etc., etc., etc. And she did a documentary, didn't she, about the um, about what she went through? Mm, that she sent to me, which was really interesting. Uh, I suppose at least we me to another the, the tumultuous question as well. Do you feel your disability affects your relationships with others? That can be romantic or personal or familial. Good question, Callum. I would predominantly say yes, mm-hmm. because my disability has to be taken into consideration on things like um, going to visit family, mm-hmm. how I will get in the house and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, usually it's my dad lifting me effectively up a... Uh, step, which is wonderful. He's great at that. But, you know, I can't climb stairs. Sure. And no amount of smiling and stares into a ramp. No. <laughs> to use the old maxim. Um, uh, I like your I like your analogy. Though. But I would say having a disability does impact on how I do things. Sure. And it, the woman was called Cerebral Burnell. Right. The, the hit the different distance from Mercy BBs. So. Yes. Um, so is it, would you say in terms of it affects your relationships personally or has that always been very exciting? Uh, what are we talking about? Are we talking about romantic relationships? All, all, I mean, has, has, it ever, has it ever impacted friendships? Has it ever impacted sexualized relationships, romantic relationships? Has it ever fallen out with family okay. over it? Anything like, anything like that um, experience? In some cases, I felt very restricted by my disability. Okay. There has been various conversations uh, with my parents, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to do something. And they said that I can't practically do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I wanted to do it, you know, um, looking into fostering at one point. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Um, I feel like I've got a lot to give to a child. And the response from the social worker was that I wouldn't necessarily be able to manage to meet all of the needs of the child. Mm-hmm simply because I have support needs myself. Mm. Therefore, it would stop me caring for the child. 
And I think that is kind of ableist. Well, it's very ableist. And also a bit disabledist. Cool. Well, I, 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 I'm getting yeah. confused with the terms. It's okay. No, I, 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 to be honest, it sounds like they pretty much overlap anyway, to, to an extent. I know there's a, a definition, but it sounds like they kind of go into one another to some extent, don't they? Yeah. I, I know we've spoken about this. I know you said kind of, you are, you know, you're not an idiot. You are aware that there's, there, are, there are obvious uh, alterations that would have to be made for the environment where you would have to wear care for a child. But that doesn't stop your abilities as a father, does it? And that's what the no. key thing is. Of course, alterations would be made. But once they are made, then the rest is irrelevant, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's about finding a way forward to enable me to be as engaged with the child's life as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that was quite a difficult conversation to have, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be considered capable or able to meet the needs of a child. You were being able, At that it? point, yeah. Not able again. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to curveball this with you oh, uh, God. as well. What is your opinion... On society often looping disabled people together in romantic relationships. I know I'm curving here, but I think I think it's very. I do think this is very relevant. I don't know about you. I think this is something that is quite predominant. It feels like that is problematic. Mm-hmm. Please, anybody listening, don't get me wrong. I understand that there are people out there with disabilities that can fall in love with people who also have disabilities. Yeah. I understand that. That is absolutely fine. But the idea that society says disabled should be with disabled yeah. is problematic. Very boxing, isn't it? It is, in the sense that, oh, just put them with the disabled people. Sure, sure. Just put them all in one space mm. so we, we don't have to fund alterations sure, sure. to loads of different buildings. Just put them all in one building and put them all in one place, put them away. And um, I think in that documentary particularly uh, that you brought uh, that I went to you. Yeah. There was a school for dis- disabilities. Yes, there was. There was. Um, and it was hidden away from society. Yes, yeah. And just like the old asylums. Yeah, and that is problematic. And it just—I'm not against disability with disability. No, no, no. In any sense. Well, you've said to me before. You said it, I, I remember you very predominantly. You've said to me, Craig, if there, if if you met somebody with a disability and you connected with them. You would date them. But you've yeah. also said to me, that doesn't mean you're going to go looking for that, isn't it? No. It's, it's about being open-minded to all humans, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it is. But at the same time, I think it's problematic mm. because it's not bringing together that... Inclusivity. That division between those with ability and those with disability. Mm, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and just the record, while we're on it as well, we have nothing against disabled schools, but we're aware that they still exist and they do an absolutely fabulous job. We're actually talking specifically about the old um, disability schools and academic institutions that were predominantly hidden away, aren't we, Craig? We're aware they're a mm. wonderful and very inclusive school for people with complex needs, but... We're talking about way back when, aren't we? Yeah. I'm sure they do still exist, by the way, but... Oh, yeah. Probably not, not so common in the UK. They're, 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 well, actually, there's... there's is still so? There's a load in Stockport. No, but are they inclusive, <laughs> though? Uh, yeah. I mean, say I, would. I mean, they're not all inclusive. Right, OK. Some of them... This is my ableist... Ableist... Um, not ableist. My uh, my privilege. My, my yeah. ableist privilege. Some schools, um, particularly, uh, accept children with physical disabilities, right. but they also accept children with social, emotional and mental health difficulties. Yeah. And in that sense, they are inclusive, but I don't believe that they accept mainstream students sure. as well. Sure, sure. Because, and I think this is predominantly, again, down to funding. Mm. 
They are called special schools. And that annoys me. Mm. As somebody who works for the SEN services within Stockport, that really, really annoys me. That's problematic, isn't it? But I think the term school has always been very... Uh... Yeah. Well, it's very meaning, isn't it, as well? Yeah. It's, 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 it's that association that your needs make you different, but there's almost some sort of... In fact, just going back to a documentary that I saw a couple of weeks ago, I didn't share this one with you, oh, cool. should have done. Go on, um, here, let's know you've got a recommendation here. Yeah, there was a documentary on BBC a couple of months ago about particularly black people and... Mm. Um, special educational needs settings. Okay. In the four in the I think it was about sixties and seventies, what we now know as S E N was E S N. The ethnic. Have a guess. S E E S N was that. E S N. Ethnic special needs? No. Go on. Educationally subnormal needs. Wow. That's hideous, isn't it? It's extremely racist. Yeah. And yet we still have those letters today we do, when yeah. we describe support needs. And it is a lot better now because they are classed as special educational needs. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was initially called educationally subnormal really is it hurts my soul. Well the language around disability has never been good and I dealers no, I, I'm not. Um, this is not me promoting any kind of horrendous words, but we're not too far away from when we used to call. Can I say these words, Craig? I'm not sure if we can say them. I'm not, you know those old words that I'm not going to say them. Off, but we were not. We, we've never, Are you going to use the C word? It was that one. It was the R word as well, and the I. I mean, I, can you use it in an academic context? I had it in my notes. Can you write? Can you put it in? I don't feel more comfortable. I don't feel comfortable saying. Okay. Okay. So it's not. What I'm saying is though, it's not been that long since those words were eradicated, is it? No. And in some cases, they are still not Trump, Trump. eradicated. And referring to the older generation. Yes. Unfortunately. Those good old medical... Uh, so again, it comes from the medic, medical side, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Shockingly. And it comes from the idea that language um, and labels, they matter. So it's vocabulary that's used to identify impairments and disabilities. And they are frequently used as terms of abuse. Mm-hmm. A person who is not aware of their surroundings and fails to notice something important, for example may be derided as blind. A person who fails to listen is deaf, while a person who fails to understand is something... It fails to understand something important is derided as retarded. Yes. And that's Deborah Marks, 1999. That's still used used in America as well. You know, that word word is still used. Yes. Um, Also, handicapped is used. Yes. And the I... I I can't say it myself because it just turns my stomach, but the I word, it won the O'Gramps used to use... Not not nastily to use. Yes. No, I know. I know. But... But the idea of labels is a massive problem because they have a lot of tragic overtones. Of course they do. Um, examples being sufferers yes, or victims. Yeah. And they're often spoken about as a homogenous group. Uh, for example, disabled or blind, according to French 1989. And these labels, whichever one may be given, rise to the notion that people are superhuman or anything that they achieve, however minor, is worthy of congratulation and admiration. And well, I, just... I get patronising from that as opposed to congratulation. I don't know about you. I, get, I, get I'm, I mean, I'm quoting an academic here, yeah. but it's also patronising. Well, no, I agree. I agree completely with the academic. What I mean is, though, it's extremely patronising. It's also called, look how well you've done, despite all that hardship. Look how well you've, done. you know what I mean. Yes. It's not that kind of, you know. And that, that's the other interesting as well. You don't, we don't imagine you spoke about teaching. We don't imagine people with disability as academics, mm. which now there's so many. They are. Um, and I think as well that there's always been kind of racial overtones. Like you know, you spoke before. I mean, do you remember? That I can't. I will not use the word on here, dear listener, because it's just revolting. But the old word that was used to describe 
people with Down syndrome connected with that Asian country. Do you remember? Um, the country's um, Mongolia. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But absolute again, absolute vile, disgusting, and again, racist slash ableist slash dis- disabledist overtones. That yeah. Come in there, isn't it? It is massively problematic, and I think really some of these words here that I've got written down slow mad oh my god I've not heard that word for years simple yeah incapable psycho spastic yes 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 crazy mental yes dumb freaky weird invalid retarded manic delusional handicapped now there's something Craig I can actually relate with you on because as somebody who has bipolar disorder um, I am still very much triggered by the normality of how we use um, mental health in our vocabulary like people say things like oh he's such a or oh you're such a nutty you are you're mad or you're off your head you know things like that and it'll be used not not even in in, in terms of a mental illness it'll be used if somebody's just acting a bit silly mm. and it's almost been normalized for us to discriminate against mental health um, in our everyday language hasn't it? Mm. it it really is and i really think that as a society we would do better to try and be more cautious around our language be more cautious we should completely eradicate that language <laughs> uh, i mean yes <laughs> yes <laughs> sure sorry to, sorry to sound so militant but it's just it's so wrong and it's draconian I, agree it is draconian and it is wrong but also as a society we need to be careful yeah. about re-education isn't it around what we say and actually for anybody that's listening who thinks that the younger generation are snowflakes and are easily offended by words actually just look up the proper context of them and then you will see exactly why we're offended because what you're thinking comes from a place of privilege mm. um, so Craig my final question the final ultimate question for you oh god and this isn't something you need to you can just give some key points here because I know you obviously you've kind of mentioned this throughout but one how can we be an ally to people with disability that's and two what would you personally like people to understand about one your disability and disability as a well? okay so we could do an entire episode we don't, we'd do an entire series how to be a better ally if you have a question please ask it don't be afraid to ask somebody a question about themselves if in doubt do not assume always ask you know yeah. because the person that knows themselves best is the person with the disability and what would I like people to know about my disability or should we say how about what would you like people to know about Craig let's let's rephrase yeah okay what would I like people to know about Craig the wheelchair does not define me the wheelchair is part of me it's a part of my identity yes but it is not all of my identity I'm very proud to be a disability activist and a mental health activist but it is not all of me I am a multifaceted human being capable of many many different things and throughout this interview, this two-part interview, I've not shared all of my identity with you. No. And why should I? No. You know, there are parts of my identities that only I know, and that's fine. The best parts of ourselves we keep in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's beautiful, Craig. And I think that I think it's been a very good episode. I think well, two part episode. And I think I think people will get a lot from this. And I think ultimately, I hope even if one person can be change a perspective or the perspective of themselves, if you have a disability, you know, it's not all you are. It's part of you. You are absolutely. But mm-hmm. we are ultimately you are Craig. You know, I have a disability. I have a physical disability. I have, a, I have an emotional one. And I suppose I have chronic pain. So maybe I do. Mm-hmm. But because that's Callum. invisible. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I'm still Callum. No different. Mm-hmm. My moods might regulate differently. I'm just as mm-hmm. yourself. You know, with your own invisible illness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. And, and that's the interesting as well. Is I guess something to end on as well just because you might have one disability doesn't mean you don't have another as well. yeah and just because you see somebody looking normal however one defines normal mm. doesn't mean that they don't have a disability thank you dear thank you